Grapple fans, and welcome to the final instalment of the WrestleMania weekend trilogy of Meltzer Five Star Projects. Of course, we talked about the best of those matches, apparently, that wasn't at WrestleMania previously between Shingo Takagi and Aaron Hanare. It, you still stumble over that. <laughs> it's still quite hard to believe. <laughs> but we're back in Los Angeles for night two of WrestleMania 39. The night where everything fell apart in the eyes of me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, WWE. (laughs) But the events that caused that reaction have not yet occurred, and we're still in the good time, Simon, as we talk about our next match, which is a two-thirds of a rematch from a previous five-star match, and the other third is a debutante, as we say all the time, except in the previous Usos Zane Owens match. What are we talking about and who's participating? We're talking about the Intercontinental title match where Gunter is facing Sheamus once again, but not just Sheamus, he's facing one of the other key components from WWE Clash at the Castle and the debutante indeed, Drew McIntyre. Curiously, only the second time that a multi person match has been given the five-star treatment by Meltzer. I don't think he's ever given a four... Well, depends if you, like, look at the ladder matches that are, like, you know, those sort of things. But I just mean a straightforward... Well, it's not straightforward. But at the very least, this is the f- only the second ever triple threat match. Yeah. To get the five-star treatment. The previous one being the one and only TNA match to get five stars between Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels, and AJ Styles. And here we are, a full 18 years after that, yep. I Time is a cruel, cruel mistress. <laughs> yeah. Here we are, triple threat match. And what's curious going into it is that the key story of the match was that Gunther is outraged at being placed into a triple threat match, which removes his championship advantage. Yeah, but as all good heels, well, as, as all good heels get in their comeuppance, it's his fault. If he didn't interfere with Imperium in the number one contenders match, he would have had a straight singles match. But ego and hubris. Mm. But also the funny thing about that is that within this match, I think you can argue that it's the triple threat rules that saved him. Yeah. Because it did seem like if there is a star of this match, if there is a protagonist of this match, it's Seamus. Yeah, like it was in their previous five-star outing, Clash of the Castle, the one I've seen live. That was obviously Seamus trying to capture the last title to be the man who has the grandest of Grand Slams. Not only all the titles, but Money in the Bank, Royal Rumble winner. He has done... King of the Ring as King well. King of the Ring. I forgot about that. He has... He likes to forget about that sometimes, <laughs> He has very nearly done it all. And I thought... I thought Clash of the Castle was where they'd pull the trigger. And when he lost, the naive me thinking at the time was like, oh, well, he's lost, so Drew's probably going to win then against Roman. <laughs> the bastards made me believe, especially when They'll they played do- broke his career, the pre-match package. Ah, I, the bastards made me believe. They'll do it again as well in the future, Simon. <laughs> Never trust. 
What? We've got a year left of, of probably these false triggers being pulled. Oh, he can't, not for another whole year. Well, you can't have Reigns lose the title in and not be at WrestleMania now at this point, I think. Uh, I don't know. And you know going into WrestleMania 40, they'll be thinking, well, people will expect him to lose it at WrestleMania 40. Mm. Because I think it's one thing has been very clear during the period of time that Triple H was fully in charge of the creative process is that Triple H likes long title reigns. You have Roman Reigns, you had the Usos, and you had Gunther all holding on to their titles during the entirety of Triple H's time in charge. And now, of course, again, and I feel like we may have been a bit cruel to Vince in a weird way by implying that the entirety of the Bloodline storyline was in spite of him. Like, the first year or so of it was Vince McMahon was in charge. Yeah. We, we're too quick to praise Triple H and too quick to boo Vince. It's biases but, coming into play. Yeah, and it's Vince being a terrible human being. Yeah. And Triple H so far being maybe an arsehole. So... <laughs> <laughs> He's got a long way to sink before he hits Vince's mm. level. Yeah, yeah. But... What I think Triple H likes is strong champions and the strong identity of those titles. Like, now when Gunther loses the Intercontinental title, it will be a big deal. But also, it's key. Do you follow it up? Because it wasn't just that Randy Savage was a great Intercontinental champion that lost it in a title match to Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. But it was also that then when you had the Honky Tonk Man, they did, like, the opposite end of it where he had the longest run. Is Gunther going to break that run just as the Usos have broken the New Days who broke Demolitions and how they're obviously clearly wanting to get Roman Reigns at least past Pedro Morales territory? I think (laughs) Gunther's now fifth all time. Longest in the 21st century. That's an interesting thought, actually. Let's do a quick calculator here. So the Honky Tonk Man's the record holder for a single reign anyway. Yeah, that's what Uh, we're looking at, really. His run being 454 days. And Gunther won the Intercontinental Championship. Quick question, who did he beat for it? Was it Nakamura? No. Zane? No. Pass. It was Ricochet. Oh, Christ, I forgot Ricochet was IC champion. Yeah. That was on the 10th of June, 2022. And then if we add days, so if we add 455 days, that would take us to the 8th of September. Hmm. So as long as as long as long Gunther retains it on the Friday 8th of September Smackdown, then he is the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion. He's got another five months to hold on to it at time of recording. And one big four pay-per-view to get through. Yes. Which is kind of where you feel if they were to pull the trigger between now and then, where they do it. The basic worry now would be, if Vince is back in charge, does he care as much about these things? Vince likes a record. He Not necessarily for the Intercontinental title. But also, who else do you have to put him against? Now, the big question is, just as we're wondering who beats Roman Reigns for the Intercontinental title, who beats Gunther should be important. Now, if you follow the narrative of these matches... It would seem like Sheamus is the guy you should be pulling the trigger on. Yes. I've already said. This is kind of... We're now two-thirds into the story that I would tell. Which is that Gunther beats Sheamus the first time. Then he narrowly beats him the second time. And this one essentially down to Drew McIntyre literally pulling Sheamus 
out of the ring as he's got Gunther pinned. Yeah. For Sheamus to justify getting another title shot, it has to be either that he puts his career on the line against Gunther, because he is apparently talking of retiring. But I think the more interesting way to do it would be for Gunther to say, if you lose this, not only can you not challenge me for the Intercontinental Championship again, you cannot challenge for the Intercontinental Championship ever again. So therefore, you can never, ever break it. It's nice, but my gut of the last time someone went, if I lose this, I'll never challenge for X title again, led to the creation of the Codyverse in AEW. So I'm apprehensive. Yes, but as we know that Sheamus is winding his way down to the end of his career anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I I just want him to have it all. I do. (laughs) If you've had a career where you've won everything except the Intercontinental Championship... I'm not feeling that sorry for you in your plight. Uh, son. No, no. I don't think the I don't think John Cena has missed out by never no. winning the Intercontinental Championship. But at the end of the day, like if you're that, it's like a batsman getting out of ninety nine. You've still contributed to the innings, but you know it's annoying. That's what I mean. But sometimes life is annoying. That's the that is weirdly the brilliant thing that wrestling can do. We think we're going to get the happy ending because you know pretty much every Hollywood movie will give us that. And WWE is not always like the movies, even when it says WrestleMania goes Hollywood. They didn't give the Hollywood ending of this They didn't finish the story. So, as with the previous Clash of the Castle match, there's not that much wrestling in this insofar as wrestling moves. And I've said before that these matches are as close as we'll ever come to a Tomohiro Ishii match taking place in the WWE. Yeah. One of the things I think is really impressive as well is making this kind of match work and getting a reaction from the crowd when that crowd is in an enormous dome mm. stadium. Admittedly, this one does have li- literally a dome over it so that the sound isn't just going up into the air. Like, there, there's sort of an echo yeah. around the building. And when it hosted the Super Bowl as well, like it's not just for uh, wrestling, it does produce a good atmosphere. Like, there are some chops that Gunther hits in this match where the echoes around the arena are incredible. I mean, the crowd is up for this from the start. The crowd cheers at the bell being rung. And it's so funny that, like, Sheamus, at this stage in his career, is having the matches that are getting the five-star rating from Meltzer. Mm. And the same with Drew McIntyre. As we said, the first time he's had a Meltzer five-star, and he must be in his mid to late 30s at this point. I think so, yeah, yeah. He, he must be, because he was around, like, 12, 13 years ago. I think he's 38. Well, there we go. 38 years old. Again, it's one of those fascinating things with Gunther, how he's made that move up to the land of the giants, that despite not being the tallest guy anymore, like he was in the indie scene, and because of the way that he's slimmed down, not even being... He's probably the shortest and the lightest out of the three guys in this match, or at the very least on equal height. It's growing on me now. When he lost the weight, and it, it's selfish, from a presentation point of view, I was like, oh, it's not quite the same. But do you know what? I think it's it's somewhat even better now, because he's he's got that deceptive bigness. I know bigness isn't a word. When you saw Walter at his 300-pound thing, you were like, okay, that man could just smash people about. Now you're like, okay, this guy looks... It still looks like he could smash me about, but he's next to Drew and Seamus. Like, you look at these guys, you're like, oh, okay, how is he going to do this? And then he does it. It's more compelling in a way. I think what helps is what's always been the presentation of Gunther slash Volta 
and Ring Camp slash Imperium is the whole thing about the ring is sacred ground and he is like the most serious wrestler of all the wrestlers. He's so no-nonsense. And actually for this match, they even simplified his costume back to its original sort of black and white. And they even gave him the opening of his classical entrance music before then returning to his updated rock and roll entrance. That's another thing where first I was like, ah, but I actually like that theme now. Yeah, that theme, if it, again, is one of those ones where it's like, if the, you know, it's like your hatred of the IWGP world title. I think if it weren't for the fact that the previous title was maybe the best looking wrestling belt ever, you wouldn't hate it so much. Similarly, if Volta didn't have one of the most badass musical entrances yeah. ever. You wouldn't mind that Gunther has a pretty damn cool entrance too. Yeah. The, complete with him being introduced by Ludwig Kaiser. Yeah. The difference is they replaced it with something not as epic, but still pretty damn good. Whereas my thoughts and feelings on the IWGP title are well documented. Yes, we have episodes for people to go back to find out our feelings on that. And it's just the plainness, you know, that stark black and white imagery or red and black imagery or whatever it is they do where whatever colour it is Gunther's going for. Again, I prefer the black and white, but I don't... Like, the changes that they've made to him Mm. aren't changes that drive you crazy, like seeing Daniel Bryan in his NXT period being portrayed as a geeky virgin or whatever, when you know what he actually is. Or the change of Johnny Gagano's theme, for example. Like, the man singing Rebel Heart just doesn't do it for me, I'm afraid. These are cosmetic changes that I'm not that bothered by. Yeah. And... Because fundamentally, what makes Gunther Gunther, what what makes Volta Volta, what makes Gunther Gunther, is still a fantastic in-ring wrestler who is treated fully seriously. And at least during the Triple H and the early stages of the Vince McMahon thing, we don't know. Vince could have got bored, and he could have been coming out in lederhosen by this mm. point. We don't know. Mm. And you know, save save the thought until WrestleMania forty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> but obviously the. The way that Gunther is being presented now, he's... I mean, especially like the Royal Rumble. Longest run ever. They put him in. And, you know, when he's fighting Cody, again, this was like Cody-verse booking. He's like, is Cody really the underdog in this scenario? (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, the logic being, Cody comes back from a chest injury. Who's the last guy you want to be facing? The guy who chops your chest into oblivion. Which is one of the reasons (laughs) Drew and Sheamus are great foils for him. Obviously, Sheamus, you've got the whole skin colour thing going on. They've just got the pets, yeah. man. Well, that's why Drew's a great foil, because it's like, look at that beefy chest. How could he hurt that? <laughs> and then he does. But yeah, just the simplicity of it, of like everything just being pretty much mo- like strikes, slaps, chops, kicks, punches. But then at one point in it, I think Drew actually busts out some wrestling moves where he's like, I've got to change this up. And suddenly he's, he's hitting like a neck breaker. <laughs> he rolls back the ears. He hits his Future Shock DDT as well. Yes, that's it. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, it's just big moves. And also this match is only 16 minutes 38. And there are... The, the, it has the peril that pretty much all triple threat matches have, which is usually it consists of an opening exchange and then suddenly one person is not involved after being hit by something that never usually takes them out for yeah. two minutes. Yeah. But the best way that that works is, especially in the later periods, because first of all, they're hitting each other with stuff that's so hard you would understand why you need to recover from this. But also it makes it 
perfect for Gunther's opportunistic nature towards the end. Because we always say that when Gunther wrestles like a Dragunov or, or one a person like that, or a Tyler Bate, he'll bully them, bully them, bully them, and then they'll gradually find their way in, and they'll hit a flurry. And at that point, all that Gunther's about is snuffing it out entirely. Yeah. Just trying to get it over with as quickly as possible. And so instead for this one, it feels like it goes... That's why it's amazing that it goes 16 minutes. It feels like there's like a whole six to eight minute match of just Sheamus and Drew McIntyre mm-hmm. going at each other, ending with Sheamus being about to pin it yeah. after hitting the bro kick and then Gunther coming from nowhere, hitting the splash on Sheamus, powerbombing Sheamus onto McIntyre and then powerbombing McIntyre. Yeah. And it's just and obviously like, the, I've got to finish this. The table they've set storyline-wise with like Sheamus going, I thought you were my friend and Drew, Drew's like, Mate, it's wrestling. I'm competing for a title. Like, come on now. You're being a bit too a bit too emotional about this. Obviously, Seamus, with his time slipping away from him, obviously wants this. Well, are we reading more into that than what's being said on screen? I don't know, because I don't follow it uh, yeah, week well, in, week out. Yeah. But is Seamus saying, well, my time's not long left, or what? <sighs> He's not really alluding to the time left so much. It's more like... Like, he says it in out of kayfabe interviews well if you look at apparently his category of workouts he is struggling to keep up with well anyone would struggle to keep up with bianca belair and chad gable and you know drew himself but he's 45 (laughs) like and he's worked a wwe schedule for 12 13 years yeah more than that actually 15 years so you know he's he's (laughs) time catches everyone eventually but no no on television it's more that you know drew's like getting in his like sort of like in his mind his destined path to dethrone gunther and finish everything off be the guy who's won everything and that's why he's like annoyed at drew for it and that's why the pulling him out of the ring spot has that deeper meaning in the match itself but it's curious actually within the logic of triple threat matches i suppose and the understanding of it's for a title Drew has not yet been presented as the hero. Drew's done nothing now. wrong. <laughs> well, not in the technical sense of it. That's the thing. And it's like, morally, it's dubious getting in the way of your mate's dream. But at the end of the day, you're both competing for the same trophy. What are you supposed to do? Insofar as there's only so much you can talk about it, I'm just like people fight yeah. <laughs> you know there's one point but yeah again as we were saying even though Gunther is the smallest guy like there's one moment where it is like a three-way brawl and Gunther is the one that's left standing and I think it is because he's presented as someone who is so serious so all about no nonsense and so dedicated to this craft that it makes sense that even though he's the smallest guy now in weight he still has so much force behind those blows that he knocks people to the ground and he just looks like about you know Brock Lesnar is only six foot three yeah but you put him in there with the guy who's like three or four inches taller than him. I mean, you still expect him to beat the shit out of that person <laughs> and to dominate them. Like the Undertaker, you know, he's like six inches shorter than the Undertaker. But he always was the one that was laying the beads down. Obviously, some of that is because of the width. Whilst he's six foot, six foot three in height, he's like an extra yeah. foot in width compared to yeah. everyone else. And that's why everyone dreams of the Brock Lesnar-Gunther match. But the thing with that is, is do you present that as the usual... Brock Lesnar, because usually Volta was the indie Brock Lesnar, yeah. who is the bully. And when they had their stand-up at the Royal Rumble, people were going apeshit over that. And some of Brock's um, best WWE matches is when he underestimates the smaller guy. Like He was Mr. Survivor Series for like a hot minute with his matches against Bryan and Styles. But there's 
there's Brian smaller than him and there's Gunther smaller than him. Yeah, yeah. And Gunther's whole thing is that he bullies people. Now, that can be fun in and of itself. Either you have it that Gunther for once is being bullied and he's trying to find the way to get out of the situation from fighting underneath. Or you just have it as the two big bullies in the playground having the ultimate scrap and it's just no you know it's like like a more technical more wrestling equivalent of the Brock Lesnar Bill Goldberg matches and it would be longer than that as well probably and again it's like one of those things of like because it seems like that's the thing everyone's dreaming but it keeps being put off and there's also that sense of maybe Brock Lesnar doesn't think it's worth his time anymore like he because you know he could Dean Ambrose him he could give him the Ambrose treatment yeah yeah uh, well, Brock Brock is... I think now that the spectre of UFC is well and truly out of the way with Brock, he's, he's just too old to go back to UFC now. Maybe we'll get a different Brock. Well, I think he's just Brock wants to retire. That's all. I don't think he'll change up his style, if that's what you're alluding no, to. No, 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 think... no. I'm saying Brock now has less to lose in, from, in terms of a money-making uh, standpoint. Well, Brock, Brock must be at about... 45 as well yeah. coming up to that he was 24 i think when he won the 25 when he won the title from the rock and that was in 2002 so yeah he must be 45 46 Six. now yeah. so maybe we won't get the match but it's the match i think everyone would dream to see oh yeah i especially when the royal rumble came around and we saw gunther's performance i don't know how we'd get it but i wouldn't mind i wouldn't have minded at one point him being the guy that the thrones reigns well, I think you could definitely book that match either after Gunther loses the Intercontinental title or actually use it as a way of extending Gunther's run with the title without having to put him into regular title challenges. And again, that's another thing that Triple H has really emphasized with the Intercontinental title in particular, saying that this is the belt that gets defended regularly on television as well as on pay-per-views. Whereas Roman Reigns' title defenses are very spaced out. And let's face it, a lot of his defenses are interference-based, which which Gunther doesn't tend to do because of the sacredness of the ring, Matt. So that, there's your ready-made story. It's like, come on, you're, you're, you're desecrating my ring, my, like, my ring, and you're being rewarded for it with a, like, you know, the richer prize, whereas I'm the person defending this all the time. Gunther's a bit of a hypocrite as well. Yeah. So he, he will cheat and use sacred ring and everything. And like, you know, like his whole run with the OTT championship. Oh, he's this very super serious person, but then he just mistreats the belt all the time. And and he's bullying and bullying uh, Jordan Devlin. And then when Jordan gets his is in control, he's begging off and everything. So it's like so much of that is presentation. When he's suddenly in trouble, then, you know, sometimes it's cheating, sometimes it's not. Also, this is slightly undercut. Again, like, he, he doesn't cheat in this match to win the belt, but I'm sure there have been matches where Imperium have got involved. And obviously... In fact, it's the, the lack of rules which nearly costs him when Sheamus has the sharpshooter locked in. Because he reaches for that rope, and then the referee's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Again, matter. I've said this before, I hate that that is the logic of wrestling, and I've said it before... If I was to book a promotion, my rule for championship matches that are triple threat rules is that it's champions fall. Mm. So if Sheamus had pinned McIntyre or McIntyre had been Sheamus, that person that had been pinned would be eliminated and then you go on as a singles match. Ah, okay. But if Sheamus had pinned Gunther or McIntyre had been Gunther, that's it. and that's the first fall, that's it, they've won the title. And if Gunther pins Sheamus or Gunther pins McIntyre and that's the first fall, that's it yeah. as well. That's how I would do it. It might sound complicated, but I don't think it's... It's not that complicated. You know, no, no. 
And it, it allows more variables and more excitement. There'll probably be even more people biting on the near falls of, like, if Sheamus does pin McIntyre, then we get our Sheamus-Gunther one-on-one match. Mm. But again, you can do it more perfectly. The Gunther takes advantage of the triple threat situation to take these two guys that have just beaten the shit out of each other <laughs> at that time and just finding that just be him hitting the surprise splash and then using one as the weapon on the other one. <laughs> Such a great finish. It's just like smash everything. <laughs> Well, it's such a clever way to use one opponent to eliminate the other yeah. opponents and then pin the first one. And obviously because it's McIntyre that he gets the pin on, that leaves Sheamus more open for another shot in the future. Yeah, and that, I guess that's the... They, I think they do want it to be Sheamus. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the way it's all been booked. But again, it can work outside of that. You know, you can use Sheamus as a stepping stone. It's like, because you... You know, Roman Reigns has vanquished all these guys. You can't really have Cody win the title off of him now. You can have Cody win the title later. But always doing it on the second bite of the cherry. The only one that it works for in that scenario for me is Jey Uso. Because Jey Uso was the first one. So him being the first and the last would be the perfect way to wrap up the story if they want to go that I can't, way. I, I, I don't know if they take that risk. I just don't. This isn't the Roman Reigns discussion hour, Simon. I know. So. I know. I know. But like, in terms of... It, the, the, what I'm saying is it's contrasted, whereas it all seems to, despite the fact this guy has fallen and failed at Clash of the Castle, Seamus somehow does seem to be the guy that it's lined up to be. And I know it's not the Roman Reigns discussion, but we've just, considering we've gone between two bookers and we've just had a guy who was lined up, let's face it, and then they didn't pull the trigger... You know, I'm just saying there's that contrast to, to be had. But you're right, it's not the Roman Reigns discussion. But there, there are similarities. It is fascinating how far we've gone now in the WWE that the policy is the heel champions yeah. now. When for the first 40 years of the WWF, WWF, WWE, under both Vince McMahon Sr. and Jr., they've always been built around the perennial babyface champion. Samatino, Morales... Backland, Hogan, Hart, Michaels, Diesel, Austin, Rock, Cena. Yeah. The heel champs of that time have relatively short runs. The only two that had long runs into the Attitude Era was that Billy Graham had a year with the title. Mm. And Yokozuna had like nine months with the title when they were making that final transition away from the Hogan era to the new generation era. But then really it was the influence of Triple H on that title scene and then going more with heel champions and his run with the world heavyweight title, the reign of terror as everyone calls it. But you know, it made Batista when it finally the title went to Triple H. And Triple H did drop it a few times in between, but that final dropping of the title to Batista made Batista. And JBL similarly had quite a long run-ish ish for a heel before dropping it to Cena and then Cena's just the perennial champion for the next seven or eight years after that and yet with Roman Reigns when they finally have gone with him as the overall top champion and it's been replicated in the underneath the cards as well with the Usos as a champion for so long and Gunther as the Intercontinental Champion for so long Mm. and again it's like the key is Triple H has brought back strength to these titles like that this Intercontinental title match will be I think it's like one of the you know, there's only been like a couple of Intercontinental Championship matches on WrestleManias for the past 10 or so years. Yeah. Usually they'll be tied up, they'll be put in like the Money in the Bank match or 
just not featured that mm. prevalently. I think wasn't Kalisto v Ryback for the US title like a pre-show match? Yes, it was. It was a like, tables like a, match. a pre-pre-show yeah, match. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like so early, half the people that would have been there weren't there. It was like... It's like every boxing match before the world title yeah, fights yeah. on a card. Um, well, they got done dirty by the ticketing system because that was that was thirty two, and the ticketing system didn't work for a large period of time. Yeah, but again, with the Intercontinental Title as it's been booked now with Triple H, and they've been booking the championship as well as the champion in that, and how they're presenting it. Yeah. And giving them this prominent role and making the Intercontinental Title so important to Sheamus and so important to Gunther. The key is. Like I said, do you have the follow-up title reigns that are equally well presented? They don't have to go as long as Gunther's, but they still have to... You know, no one had a reign as long as the Honky Tonk Man afterwards. But still, after the Honky Tonk Man, the Ultimate Warrior was a strong Intercontinental Champion. Rick Rude was a strong Intercontinental Champion. Mr. Perfect is maybe the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time. Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, they all had either well-booked or long enough reigns to give it significance. Honestly... With Vince back in charge, probably not. Maybe that's another sign of how much Vince is in charge. Because as we've said, he's not showing up to every taping anymore. But he's, you know, you got Skype, as we have. Yep. I don't know how Vince would feel if he suddenly got chat GPT trying to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> Vince McMahon and AI is a meeting of the minds. <laughs> oh, the, the, the AI will blow itself up due to all the logical inconsistencies. <laughs> but yeah, I mean... I mean, this has got to go... I was thinking, like, is this the greatest intercontinental title match in WrestleMania history? I mean, for, for Meltzer it is, because he never gave any other of these... Oh, no, actually, he did, to be fair, he did give WrestleMania 10 five stars. But, I mean, it's up there now. The other the other obvious candidates being Randy Savage versus Ricky Steamboat at WrestleMania 3. The Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan. Don't forget that was also for the Ultimate Warrior's intercontinental title as well as Hulk Hogan's WWF title. Roddy Piper versus Bret Hart at WrestleMania 8, and Razor Ramon against Shawn Michaels. Like, all of those in the first 10 WrestleManias, and now 29 WrestleManias later, we finally had an Intercontinental title match worthy of being put in that high in esteem. It's like a tag match being that high. It took yeah. so many years. That there's similarities there. So again, like that we were saying, like the previous... Five-star match of the Usos and Zayn and Owens, obviously, in Melt's size, not in ours. Is this going to be another one of a totem of, like, oh, my God, that time when Gunther was allowed to have Volta matches with <laughs> Sheamus and Drew McIntyre? Will that just live in, like, a brief, like... It's this perfect little bubble. Summer fling, basically. Kind of like how I go on far too often about how brilliant 2000 was in the WWF. And like, you know, oh, what, the year that you were 16? Oh, what a surprise. That was when (laughs) wrestling was apparently at its greatest, you know. I always make fun of Stuart Lee for seeming to always think the best time for comedy and music just happened to coincide at the same moment that he was young, thin and beautiful. (laughs) Well, we all do that. I don't know. I I will be honest and say that the new metal era that I was growing up in is not <laughs> on the stands the test of time. Mm, I suppose it's not. It's not summer of love territory. No, no. or even summer of dude love territory. <laughs> um, also, just Drew McIntyre. I mean, we don't have to go into like sometimes when we have these new first time five stars, we'll do sort of a quick career deep dive. But we sort of did that with the Johnny Gargano match of the week that we did with yeah. him. But it's fascinating to see. He's always. I will say this about Drew. He's always he, 
sometimes Drew and Sheamus, I think, can come across as proper corporate shills. Mm. Like, like proper... The reason WWE likes them is not just because of their size and everything, but they will toe the company line. And Sheamus is, and McIntyre's always been about Well, you know, until very but, recently. Well, we, we don't know one way or the other. That's that's not through Drew's words, you know? Well, he has removed all mentions of WWE from his Twitter bio. Let's just remember Twitter's not the real world. I know. But in <laughs> wrestling, it seems to be more of the world than the... But you never know if that's going to be part of a storyline as well. Like, keep him out of sides, out of mind, so people don't expect Drew to turn up, and then maybe suddenly they have another Gunther Sheamus match and a match, and a masked gentleman turns up and costs the title and reveals his hood and it was Drew McIntyre all along oh. or whatever. I mean, a, a Drew McIntyre heel run now does make sense, Yeah, he's played out as a face, I think. It's so bittersweet that his entire run as the top guy that he spent all that time doing happened at the start of the pandemic era. Yeah. And Orton, to be fair, he had a great foil in Randy Orton as well. Um, yes, but still it doesn't count, you know. Not on that status. And then when he finally gets his first match in front of a crowd, it's the opening to WrestleMania 37 and he loses to Bobby Lashley. Lashley. Yeah, I genuinely thought, well, this is their final after a year. This is their congratulations to him. You know, you did the good thing and now we're going to, you know, as we're starting to open up, you can finally get the run you got. Nope. Nope, the the hot new thing is Bobby Lashley, and he earned it himself as well. But I was kind of shocked at how it went, and he's never recovered from that, really. You know, Brock Lesnar disposed of him pretty easily when they had their Royal Rumble showdown rematch. Mm, And and since then, you know, we had the Roman Reigns build, and if they weren't going to pull the trigger then, they're not going to pull the trigger on him ever again in that situation. Yeah, we'll see. And again, as we say, he's 38, so maybe they're like, well, we can't can't build it as much around you anymore does drew mcintyre come out at wembley stadium with all in as drew galloway i don't know i don't know that he would fit in aew as easily no but he never was indie rific he did enough stuff to be to get the fans going similar to what cody was doing but he was never that guy but they have a lot of that guy already you need variety and with a new two-hour show because Tony Khan hates sleep. Well, suddenly, maybe, finally, we understand why he was hiring every single person. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, he will need numbers. He will need names. He will need faces. Or heels. Hey. <laughs> and, and McIntyre could work in that environment. McIntyre, like Drew Galloway Wardlow. Drew Galloway Powerhouse Hobbs doing their version of these Sheamus matches. And Gunther matches. I mean, we could have Drew Galloway versus Samoa Joe. That's always fun. Drew versus Kenny Omega would be good. There's options. There's options. He's not He's not done yet. But I, I'm glad that he reached that potential. Because, God, talk about a poison chalice of Vince literally introducing him as a future world champion and everything. And he, di- he didn't have it then. He was doing the thing that he was told to, which was like slow down. But then he was so slow, he was like snails. Yeah. I always remember the entrance he did at the 2010 Royal Rumble where literally Triple H was like, come on! But he was like, but you told me to go slow. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. And also that ponytail did him no favours. Yeah, long... But growing the beard and especially growing the chest hair. And filling out even more. Yeah, yeah. But how he filled out, we don't know. But, you know. <laughs> that sword, I didn't hate the sword as a notion. Like, the, the presenting him as the... Scot- you know, WWE is always about the simplified vision of someone. Seamus is a brawling Irishman. Gunther is a no-nonsense Austrian. 
Drew McIntyre, and again, calling upon their heritage. Sheamus is calling upon his Celtic warrior heritage. And that's why I liked his get-up as King Sheamus. It was a fallow period in his career. But I liked the wooden crown and the calling upon, you know, Irish kings of the 9th and 8th century yeah. and everything. It fit with what he was trying to present himself as at the time. And as we say, Gunther's calling upon sort of Prussian era, pre all that part of German yeah. and Austrian yeah. culture, which is probably wise to go back to the Baron era. Well, don't forget, <laughs> he was meant to have a surname until they figured out that someone had, someone with that exact same name was a U-boat commander. Oh, was it, I was going to say, was it like Hess or Stark, something? Stark, I think. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, you know, you can't blame him for that. Tony Stark. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, obviously it's a bit different. No, but the guy, the U-boat commander was literally called Gunter Stark. So they're like, oh, oh crap. Okay. All right, <laughs> fair enough. They were just doing too many, too many German names. It's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like Smithers trying to find employees. <laughs> grossly <laughs> incompetent. 10,000 matches. Grossly incompetent. Overweight. <laughs> poor body odour. 10,000. Ah, oh, nuts to this. I'll just get Homer Simpson. Oh, the, it's, seven, like, it's 714 ah, matches. <laughs> Sorry, that, that bothers me. Ah, nuts to this. I'll just get... We'll just call him Gunther. Yeah. <laughs> They've done it with other things, like Paige and Charlotte and I can't remember. Yeah. The whole submission sorority thing. It's like, hmm. We did, again, this is one of those ones where I don't think we've talked enough about the match, but the match is just simplistic. Big guys hit each yeah. other and crowd goes ape shit. And I mean, I was wondering, that was one of the notes I said, if if Sheamus and Drew McIntyre were booked at a G1 climax, would this match be any different? Probably not. To no. what they would do. Yeah, yeah. And that's what's crazy about this this sort of match. You never saw this sort of match in the WWE before. Yeah. And again, because they had a certain, they've been given a certain amount of artistic freedom beyond. Like they were allowed to, they're basically, I think they were told, you can go out there and try to steal the show they even seem to have told that to the four men's tag team guys in the first night of wrestlemania because it seems like everyone after that was going wow that match was so much better than it has any right to be because we've gone through years of those kind of matches and they're just unmemorable where it's a fatal four-way tag match that gets five minutes yeah those people get their wrestlemania paycheck and similarly with this there have been plenty of triple threat matches for the intercontinental title you know and, and so forth but this is the one that stands out because it's wrestled differently to the way that these things are usually wrestled. And the crowd is up for it because they've actually well booked and well presented these guys and this championship. And it's all paid off in a fantastic match, which I'm giving four and three quarter stars. Where do I land? I land. I land in five stars. Well, what a surprise. If I knew the Irish or the Gaelic or the German for Kel Surprise, I would have said that. It, it, it does everything it's supposed to do in the best possible way. Is it better than the Clash at the Castle match? Uh, it's different. They're, they're both... It's not that different. Uh, the, the, the triple threat <laughs> element does add a lot. It, I think it increases the pace and, and has the variables and the surprises of, you know, Gunther coming off the top rope. And that's something you've got to time so perfectly. But uh, no, for me, it's five stars. It's just great smash mouth action. It's like I, I put that disclaimer when I uh, marked the Usos match. Like overall, if you fa- to factor in everything, it's five stars. So you know. Well, Simon gives a match five stars. Was für eine Überausung? That's a lot of words for Kel Surprise. 
<laughs> oh, Simon gives a match five stars. Cad Iontas. I'm assuming that's the Gaelic. <laughs> no, that's the Irish. Ah. Yeah, he's going for the hat trick. Gaelic isn't offered on Google Translate. Ah, boom. Oh, Scots Gaelic. Scots Gaelic is. Okay. Simon gives a match five stars. Abbe Ion Gnadach. <laughs> no, that's not how you pronounce it. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> Abbe Ion Nad. Abbe Ion Nad. Yeah. Take that. <laughs> Alright. I'm happy with my choice. But anyway, we're going back to the classic. Let me tell you some things where we talk about one particular topic in pro wrestling. And Simon, what is that topic going to be for our next one? It's all pharmacy figures. But until then, Simon, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do uh, so? People can get in touch with me on Twitter where I'm sending a Simon Cross free, free for the number of different nationalities represented in this match. My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for the A in Austria, N for the N in Caledonian. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, letterbox. If you're putting at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. Lmtyspod is also our Twitter and Facebook handles. But there's nothing left to say at this point except that my name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time. Until the next time. Stars are right.